Welcome to the Ski the Whites podcast. This is Andrew Drummond, your host. We're doing a summer episode here with Jake Inger, who heads up the bike division of uh, Ski the Whites called Ride the Whites. This uh, last Monday, he did his big ride, his morning ride. It was called the All-in-One, linking up all of the famous notches in the greater Mount Washington region over the course of 300 miles. You know, he had a goal time. I won't spoil it. Give a listen. Really impressive what he did. And it got me out for a little bit that day. Really fun. Couldn't have happened without the help of his crew, um, some of the sponsors, Craft Sportswear, Jewel Bow, Pock. Really fun to watch project like this start out as a really ambitious Strava route and then lead into um, a full day's project. So enjoy that. Um, but first, I guess I just want to let everyone know we are in full swing at the retail shop in Jackson. It's been a lot of fun building this place out. Tons of new gear coming in. We've got cycling jerseys, water bottles, soft flasks, branded Patagonia running gear. We now have a, an account with Garmin on top of Polar and Wahoo. And there's a chance we might land a Hoka account, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. So if you are up this way, swing in the shop, say hi, check it out. If you can't make it, go online. You can see pretty much everything there. And we're still running some events this summer, very low key fun runs on um, on Friday evenings, but ski season is just around the corner or at least the gear season. And if you're looking to get some Alpine touring gear for next season, I wouldn't wait. I would get on that ASAP. You know, we've seen a lot of gear shortages in the bike industry, and I have no doubt that's going to carry over into the ski and snowboard industry. And we're going to hopefully have some of that, um, some of the gear coming in, I'd say September, if not earlier we do have some inventory now and you know if you're on the fence about it I would just at least contact me and get that conversation going and hopefully point you in the right direction that's what we do here the best we uh the best we can hopefully get you on the gear that's gonna give you the best experience so without further ado we've got Jake Inger and um yeah get out and ride some bikes well, we'll kick it off. Yeah, let's do it. Well, cheers is in order. Thank you, Tuckerman Brewery. Delicious. Welcome. We got Jake Inger on the podcast. This was um, not the podcast we were expecting, but it's the one we have. It's really um, interesting summer we've had so far, people getting creative. Jake was initially on this winter when we were talking about endurance racing, mountain bike racing in particular, and obviously all that stuff is out the window right now, huh, Jake? Yeah, uh, pretty much watched the whole season get canceled or moved back to probably be canceled, uh, which has been a pretty big disappointment after putting in so many hours this winter getting ready, but um, there's still a lot of riding to get done. Yeah, lots of riding to get done, <laughs> lots of time for riding, and I guess I'll just quickly back up and introduce Jake properly known Jake for a few years now. 
He's a Maine native, spends a lot of time skiing in the White Mountains, and we formally hired him here at Ski the Whites in February, and he's been working um, part-time, but with the goal of being able to train full-time, and so that was the plan for this summer, was like, you know, we'll we'll work in, in the wintertime, he'll help out as things get busy with events and uh, renting out gear, and then, and hopefully making content, and then you know, come summertime, it's like, well, races aren't happening. Jake's around a lot more and built out a bike shop here at the new Ski the Whites retail shop. And as part of that, you know, watching him ride a bunch and starting to get creative, like we all are trying to think about reshaping our goals for the summertime. Jake uh, has a coach, he's training, but still has an itch to scratch. And so I'll let him take me through, take us through a little bit about what led to, um, ultimately what we're talking about, which is the all in one project. Yeah. So basically all my rides have been, um, on some of the most scenic, uh, climbs and all the great stuff in the, the whites has to offer. So I, I was thinking, why, why don't we try to do it all in one day? I mean, every, every week I generally hit a pretty big loop or one or two of them, through the whites and you can sort of start to see like putting it all together um, because there's sort of some loops that stand out and I was started to play around with that on Strava and sort of started to see this possibility of actually being able to do all the mountain passes in the whites in the proper white mountain national forest Um, so I started doing some reconnaissance and testing the waters and decided to put a a date on the calendar and go for it and that was monday um and it it went down it wasn't the most smooth procedure ever um it there was the beginning was pretty rough with going through sandwich notch or tripoli road and then sandwich notch um those roads are probably best suited on a mountain bike to be honest i think they would probably be the fastest on a mountain bike um but I was on a full-on racing road bike and ended up getting, I think, four flats that probably rolled into the total of six flats that was on that, that, that I had on that ride. And that just turned the ride into a complete mental game, um, it, almost more mental than physical at that point. So, yeah, that, that was really tough on, on my brain. Um, just working through that, it, it almost felt like someone was trying to shut me down, but um, it just kind of made me want to fight back and, and finish up the whole ride. So, All right, well, let's back up before this whole ride even happened because you didn't just all of a sudden, you know, map it out and be like, let's go. You had a pretty good lead-in this summer putting in some big work, and it all started off with, like, riding your mountain bike on the road. Yeah. So last summer... Um, I did a bunch of mountain bike stuff on the road just because it's nice to be able to race in the same position um, that you train in. So if you can train on the mountain bike and you're basically looking at hours, people, some people look at miles, but there's no point looking at miles because every bike and all terrain is different. So looking at at hours is the best way to kind of go about cycling. Um, So I just decided to do a lot of mountain bike riding um and they can go pretty fast a modern day mountain bike goes pretty fast on the road so i spent most of my uh, winter and spring on a mountain bike 
Um, and then, yeah, it's, I think it's great training. You can kind of hit everything. Um, you don't have to worry about cracks as much in the road or flats. So there's, there's a lot of great, good stuff about riding a mountain bike on the road. Other than you're on a mountain bike, not riding to your full capability in terms of speed and perhaps distance sometimes, and but still impressive nonetheless. But once you got on a road bike, you started to fly. You put in a couple big rides before this, right? Yeah. So I my first big big ride of the season was a 200 mile ride, which was the farthest I've ever ridden um, by about 10 miles. <laughs> Um, but I'd, I'd always, I did 190 a while ago and I'd been itching to get that up to 200. Um, so I, I cracked that down. Um, but that only had, that was like 9,000 feet of climbing over the whole thing. So it was like relatively flat in the grand scheme of things. Um, so this ride definitely kind of blew that out of the water. (sighs) Yeah. And not only distance, but moving like your time on the bike and, um, yeah, some of the stats, 24,000 vert 25,000 vert something like that yeah 300 miles and um, elapsed time was 20 just under 23 hours for this yeah I know it's a little longer than you anticipated but I think that's part of it watching you take on something this big there's so many unknowns and that's what makes it exciting if it was like predictable it wouldn't be nearly as exciting and um, starting off with that like the night before and before big projects and stuff, it's hard to get sleep with the nerves and just being excited and anxious about about the next day. What was your night before like? Oh, my night before um, was I tried to get in bed at I got in bed at like ten o'clock um, after everything was all set to go, and I basically tossed and turned until midnight. I woke up at three or at like just at like 220 or something so that was that was definitely not what we want but it's super hard to combat that um i don't know a lot of people talk about how the night before the the night before so like two nights before is the most important um time to get sleep so i definitely got a ton of sleep that night and the whole week i was basically resting a bunch doing like really short rides um and just trying to sleep like nine to 10 hours every night and just relaxing because that's what I think matters more than just the night before, um, ultimately. I mean, obviously it'd be great to get more sleep that night, but it's really hard as Andrew was saying. Yeah, it's exciting. I mean, it's a lot. I think people don't understand how much work it takes to orchestrate something like this. Like that's you have multiple people involved. You had your brother, you had Brooks Curran, you had myself we had Monty in there for a hot minute and um you had your friend Tom come by yeah so there's like a lot of moving parts trying to figure out where you are where you're gonna be and what you need for all those things plus what you might not think you need that you need yeah and that's everything from like having this the full-on sag wagon that has extra bikes extra parts you have your nutrition you've got um any other sort of maintenance you'd need along the way when you're biking, the one thing that was fun for me to help crew a little bit, but like you're moving so much faster than say a runner and that's my wheelhouse, but watching you like trying to catch up with you and then figure out where you were with spotty service, it wasn't that easy all the time. Yeah, no, it's, there's definitely a a lot of learning curves, I think for everyone. Um, this is definitely my first 
big thing like this. Um, so I, I have a whole lot of stuff to work on for next time um, with communication, planning, um, like gear choice, tire choice. Every, like there's a list that is so long. But um, I think that's kind of the best thing about these long events and kind of what has brought me into the endurance scene is that there's so much room for improvement. You go to like even a race that's five hours long um, is, you know, there's so many things that can go wrong versus a race that's like 45 minutes long. So I just like that. Like, oh, like there's so many ways to optimize. You just get 1% better. Um, and that goes a long way over these long distances. So that's kind of what excites me about um, kind of this ultra endurance area because of of like running or biking, hiking, any of that stuff, little things go such a long way over a long period of time. Um, and if you do get a flat, it's not over, you know, you can, you can figure it out. You have that, like that length of time and kind of that cushion that you don't have with shorter events. So, yeah. Yeah. No, don't sweat the small stuff. You've got a big day ahead of you. So what, what actually inspired this? What was like the driving force behind this? Because we saw other cyclists doing the Eversting and um, trying to figure out what what to do. I mean, it's like you can hunt down KOMs and Strava segments, but like like really what was the driving force behind this big, big ride? Um, I think I'm always curious about what I can do as an athlete. Um, sometimes there aren't even events that allow you to see – what your body's capable of over a long period of time. So I think I got excited when it was sort of in in the wheelhouse of a po- of being possible and I I don't really know if there's like one thing that was like this is why I'm doing it, but just the idea of being able to conquer the white mountains on a bike just made me excited. Um I people come here from all over the place to ride one loop that was like one part of this ride and to be able to do all of those loops in one day just made me so excited. So yeah, that was pretty much the, <laughs> wow, we are getting blown up right now. Oh, yeah. The shop life. We're back. All right, we're back. What up? And I guess the question, the question is like, we see the classic rides, and it's funny. They you, you link up <clears throat> the three notches in the Mount Washington Valley that are really popular, like going over the Kank, Pinkham, Crawford. You know, like mm-hmm. right? Those are like the major, the major notches. And you have, man, if you look on this list of all the cool places that, first of all, there's like 110 segments on here. And if we just quickly like run through this route, you're starting here in Jackson. Yeah. And you're going your first thing is like bare notch. It's raining. Yeah. Like it starts to rain like when you get on the western side of the notch. Um, anything eventful from like that morning start? Yeah, it was actually really funny. So Monday morning, um, it's super dark out. There's no other cars except for um Andrew's up and um Brooks and my brother who were in, in the car and I didn't see anyone on the road but as I approached Bear Nodge there's uh, two people on bikes I see their red taillights and um, I passed them going at like my 300 mile pace and a few minutes later this guy comes sprinting by me he completely shells his partner 
Um, I don't know why. I tried to say hi to them on the way up. I didn't really get much of a response. Um, and so I just thought that was kind of funny. I was like, all right, man, I'm not trying to race you. This is a first of 14, so I'm not too worried about it. <laughs> That's a weird feeling when you're like trying not to be competitive, but here you are in your first climb. You're feeling fresh and you're trying to hold back. Yeah. So that was uh, that was fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just it was it was a good start. Um, the rain was suboptimal. Um, honestly, the weather for that day was all over the place. Um, it looked amazing on Thursday and just kind of progressively rolled into this like kind of a junk show weather. But the hardest part about this ride was how different the weather is in all the different valleys. So um, here in Jackson is crazy windy. It's like 25 mile an hour winds in the morning. But when I got over to Sandwich um, and also Plymouth, it was like four mile an hour winds, nice and sunny, breeze, like like not super hot. Um, as I worked my way up to the Musilaki, it was burning hot, uh, like horrible hot weather. So it was just, I don't know, roll the dice on the day because it's so hard to know what's going to actually happen, um, especially when you're in these high elevation um, areas. So, yeah, um, the weather was definitely something that day. <laughs> yeah, it was about hot and humid as it's been all summer but you had the rain to contend with in the beginning and your feet are going to be wet all day, whether it's from the rain or the sweat. Pretty crazy. And so that first, so just think about it. So you're going over at bare notch. That's a decent, that's a long sustained climb, but that's early. But then like, they just don't, they just keep coming and coming and coming. You've got the kank, which is relatively short and early on. And like, what was the biggest, any of these like surprise and it's notches like surprise you catch you off guard i mean i know so sandwich notch obviously yeah yeah that was a tough one what went, what went wrong there um so yeah i there was an issue with ordering tires and everything and also like if you what ever, were you running for tires i was running 25 cc uh maxis high high road tires um that i've been training on for probably about a month which means they have a couple thousand miles on them um which was just a horrible idea uh i really have no other excuse other than so for example yeah, like the tires I, that you wanted to have on what 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 was the width on those probably around 28 um it's a tough call because the rims i was running are have like a 27 millimeter profile and if you run anything bigger than a 27 millimeter profile then you're kind of starting to lose some of that aerodynamic advantage that you have so the 25 is definitely pretty narrow, but the 28 would be kind of like a little bit of a drag. Um, so it was a tough call, but ultimately the tire situation was horrible to begin with. And with everything going on with this uh, pandemic, getting stuff right now is just such so hard. Like yeah, generally, there's no, there's no last minute. Yeah, like generally I could have just overnighted something from like competitive cyclists or some like garbage corporation and it would have been here but in these these times it's like a week out for everything so that sucked like i there's nothing no way to get around that um but yeah that was that was a tough one i i flatted both front and rear wheels different times but in about a few miles of each other and then i hopped on a gravel bike completely tacoed the rim 
Like, <laughs> then I got another bike, got back on my road bike, got another flat. Like, it, it was just like, I don't even know. I Past couple of years, I've been, I'm generally good about keeping things fresh, but that day was just so, so ruthless um, on the flat department. The rest of the bike was like flawless though. So, I mean, that was something else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, moving on once, I mean, well, it was fun. I got to ride with you or not ride with you, but I was um, following you on Tripoli Road, which is really cool. Like Tripoli Road, I, know, I don't get over to Waterville much. It's not really on the path to anywhere from here, but um, it's it's neat to see like this dirt road that is, mimics what you see on Town Hall Road with like a bunch of camping and it's, it's beautiful. I'll have some photos up from that. Um, what was it like from the stretch from Squam over to Kinsman? Because I sort of lost you on that. Was that like, I don't know, what was that whole experience like from for you? That was probably new territory. So, yeah, um, that was cool because Tom uh, Sampson actually lived like a half mile off of the route that I'd come up with. I didn't know that, but um, we connected uh, right outside, like 10 miles from his house. And we went to his house. I put new tires on my bike. Huge, huge, huge. Um, and then we also got to ride together. He was going to go out for 10 to 20 miles. Nice little road ride. But I dragged him out. Um, and he ended up doing 100 miles with me, which was huge. Like, amazing. Having someone to ride with. Someone who knows the roads. Um, there's a few th- areas I'm not super familiar with just cause they're almost a two and a half hour drive from here in a car. So just having him to be there, be like, Oh, actually we should hit this road because we're not going to sit on 25, which is busy and bumpy. So stuff like that is really helpful when you don't know an area like that, like kind of, it's a pretty far Western area of the whites that we just, it's far from where we live. So that was really big. Um, so we rolled through up to Lily Pond, um, which is amazing. Um, it's beautiful over there. If, if anyone has never ventured over there, it's worth a trip, at least once a summer. Um, and that was awesome. And then we hit Musilaki from the south side. Uh, there's an awesome water spring, actually, right at the base of it, which was really cool. I didn't know about it. It's kind of off the road. Um, but that was great fresh cold water which is always something to kind of know about there's a few of them in the whites um which is super nice you don't have to go into a store or anything i love that stuff and then we climbed musilaki descended um kind of kinsman the top of kinsman there's an awesome pond it's like unreal beautiful i took a swim for a few minutes let the body chill out and then i descended got more water and we went to up to Franconia and refueled. So that was huge. Um, having Tom with me there because show me a lot of kind of small local ins and outs, which are forever helpful. So, yeah, that's cool. It's good having some local knowledge. Now, when you got up there, I'm just like scrolling through the map right now. What was that? What was the emphasis on that? Like that loop around, Oh yeah, look at that. So you went up and around to get to Glencliff by Musilock. Yeah. So I th- there was <laughs> That's like such a big Well, there's like if you look at the the 
I'll have a map of this as well, but like, what was that town you hit just on the northwest, Pike? Something like that, but. Yeah, so basically there's Alvarian Notch or Alvarian Pass. Alvarian, that's the one you're asking about. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I don't know. And I so, like, basically. been up that way. Basically, there's, it turned out to be there's the getting into there is was a way bigger climb than getting out. So the climb, we actually stacked a ton of elevation on that road going in. Uh huh. Um, I think it's Marston Hill Road. Um, it was really hot and humid going in, but that road in Lily Pond and through Olverian Notch was actually amazing riding, even though it wasn't a huge climb. Um, it was really beautiful, and I think technically a mountain pass. So that's well, and that's fun too. Is like you're you're, it's like you haven't ridden all these roads, so there's like that that part, the unknown fun part too of like. Yeah. You know, you don't know what's what's going to be around the next turn sometimes. Um, so, yeah, have, having someone to ride with was really big. Um, and then... So that's around 120 miles in. How were you feeling at that point? Because you're like, do you start getting your head about, like, you hit the century mark? and? So I actually made a kind of a mistake there um, at the bottom of Moose Lockie, and I ate quite a bit of rice and beans and sweet potato and chips and salsa, which is like definitely not your normal ride food. Um, but I think I, that's like definitely what I want to be eating, but I think I had a little bit too much, um, which is like something just to kind of be better about like the pacing of the eating. Um, it wasn't like like vital at all, but it just was more of like a comfort thing. But it's it's one of those things where it's like, well, I, it's good I like took in those cal- calories, but also like it kind of, didn't feel super great so it's like kind of a double-edged sword in that way but yeah I mean I was feeling pretty good um I kind of knew there's a lot ahead of me there's still a lot of climbing I think I just, I only had like I think at the top of Musilaki I was halfway through the climbing which is like when you're that far into the ride and you realize how much climbing you've already done and how much more you have it's it's a little overwhelming but I just kind of started to compartmentalize the ride into like sections. So I was just like getting through these chunks. Like that was just the best way to do it. Um, the other thing that got me excited when I got to Franconia was I heard that Andrew was going to jump in um, and Monty and Hillary were coming. So I was pretty, I was like, okay, just got to make it to Jeff. Like, or actually just to make it to Twin Mountain, you have to make it to Jefferson. Just make it there, like link up, kind of a fresh, like second wind with that in mind. So that was huge. Just kind of these little treats that you get throughout the ride can really help. So you're not looking, you're not like, I've got Hurricane Mountain Pass. (laughs) Like you just got to put that, you got to block that one off and just break it down, climb by climb, stretch by stretch. Like when are you going to meet your crew next? And I think that's yeah, really important to think that way. If you if you freak yourself out by like I'm a third of the way there, you're not doing yourself any favors. No. So that was I mean I I think we both like that was the point I got to join you was on Cherry Mountain Road and neither of us had ridden it and we were both kind of in awe. Like that was pretty like the golden hour riding yeah. some of these mountain passes for sure a highlight of the ride right yeah i mean i think honestly when at that point of the day i'd been through quite a lot i've been on and off a a few different bikes um which is not 
what I want to be doing. On a big ride like that, you don't want to be doing that. Oh, you're basically playing a fire. Um, and, um, but it was so beautiful that like such an awesome, like quintessential dirt road, um, amazing light, like a bunch of friends. And I was sort of like, all right, this is like why I'm out here. Like, this is why I'm doing it. Cause you definitely start to be like, why am I doing this? And then stuff like that happens. You're like, all right, this is, this is good. Like, this is what I love. So that was awesome. That's what it's, I mean, it's all in waves. You yeah. get these highs and lows and you got to just ride the highs as much as you can. But like, yeah, as much fun as that was, and it was really special to have someone like Jeremiah Hawkins come out. Yeah, that was awesome. Randomly, you know, have people tracking you, get words of encouragement on social media. But then we start climbing one of the hardest climbs of the day, Jefferson Notch. And yeah. you just, it hurt. Like that changes everything where you're like, all of a sudden you get hungry you're on a really punchy climb and yeah, like your mood changes, your mood goes back and forth and it's all about trying to keep the, the, the big picture in mind of like why you're doing this and what you're doing it for. And it's, it's not easier said than done. Yeah. But like we got over that Jefferson climb and, and I think like that was the, you know, for me watching this from afar, it was like, well, that was, that's a huge landmark climb because like now all you have like for your after that you're cruising yeah through crawford which is a long nice little, yeah. general descent um and then into like the big climb the punchy climb that terrifies me with fresh legs is hurricane mountain yeah climb. hurricane was and it's getting dark out and i'm like is jake getting tired how's his crew doing at this point it's i mean you were hitting that at like 10 o'clock at night yeah i was way behind pace um i I mean, for a lot of factors, um, yeah, I, I was behind pace, uh, or at least where I want to be. I think overall, like, it was an amazing effort, um, but I didn't think it'd be that late when I started up. Um, and I was feeling fine, but I was I was honestly starting to worry about my crew um, because I was dragging them through a lot, putting them through some stress with everything that happened in the morning, um, but they were they were ready to rally um i sat down the bottom of hurricane road at a nice little picnic bench um and drank a few cokes and uh yeah andrew talking to andrew about the roads was huge because um he reminded me i just had basically had to get over hurricane um once i got over hurricane it was still gonna be a grind but i mean hurricane hurts it is steep it it is long. Um, there's switchbacks that look the same for a while, and that is something that kind of wears on you. So. Especially when you're yeah. 220 miles in on a ride. Yeah. Already have 20, like 20,000 vert. And yeah, I thought that was important to keep in mind is just get through that, break it down piece by piece. But after that, it's like super long, boring as, at night. I mean, it's boring in the daytime, but bo- at night to get to, um, Evans Notch. Yeah, I just so kept, it's just like just get over that yeah. that hump. Get over that hump. Just chill. Um, honestly, like it's funny. You spend so much time training, looking at power numbers, um, what your power is, like what are you averaging, all that stuff. And at that point in the ride, you're just like, it doesn't even matter. Like just if if the legs are spinning, if the knees are feeling good, hips, everything, like just keep spinning. Like keep it comfortable. 
Um, so it's just like the zone of cycling that most people don't really get to. Um, that's like this weird, like you just like, you like forget about all these like things that kind of like feel like a heavy backpack on you, like weighing you down all the time. Like you just are like, it's just like straight up survival mode, which is pretty fun to be in sometimes. Not all the time, but it's fun to enter that every once in a while. Well, it's good to forget about the numbers. I, yeah. It's a reminder that we get caught up sometimes in the data. And like you're out there doing this bigger project of un, like, you don't know which numbers you're going to hit or what to hit, yeah. especially when you start throwing in all these climbs that are hard to quantify. Like what is that toll? Like what is that climb up hurricane going to take on your body at that point? And you start to freak out. Like you're saying about, you're not sure what your body's capable of yet. You've never done anything this big. Like what are your knees going to feel like if you had red flags in your knees on a 200 mile ride and now you're doing adding on another hundred plus more climbing yeah it's hard to figure that stuff out and the nutrition stuff too like you're saying is you've got your comfort food you've got like everyone telling you what to eat or like here are your options but come down to it like what does your body really want and what did you what did you find for the nutrition part that worked for you um so i i mean most most of the time when you're racing you're racing and it's like the race is like 10 to 12 hours and you basically want to eat a lot of sugar because it's simple syrup goes in fast and reacts fast um but something like this you want to eat a lot of natural food wholesome food whole grains non-processed stuff keep it clean um which is always a good practice like for all the time i think um i just ate stuff that i knew worked i didn't want to try things that I hadn't experimented with before because that's just the recipe for disaster. So, you know, like peanut butter and jelly sandwiches go down easy. They have fat in them. Or peanut, I had almond butter, so almond butter and jelly. Um, like a lot of fat, um, calories. I had on like whole grain bread. So stuff that like my body could kind of process had protein and fat and like a little bit of sugar, but it's not like eating goo, which kind of rots your stomach out because goo for 24 hours is not a good idea um so yeah stuff like that was huge then like a lot of rice and beans and quinoa um high calorie stuff uh is huge like potatoes and all that good stuff um but yeah i mean i tried to stay away from sugar until i i got to like the 200 mile mark and then i was sort of like okay like give me that sugar right right now like i was craving it pretty big right but like being able to use that as like a last resort um, was su super helpful. And then I started bringing caffeine, which I don't really consume a lot of on a day-to-day -day basis. So I think that's something I kind of like to keep as a reserve. If I don't drink coffee all the time and I don't do that, I'm not, I don't have like, um, I'm not like conditioned to it at all. So when I, and it hits the body, it, it's like a lot bigger rush than if I'm using it all the time. So I think that's kind of, kind of big. Yeah, Jake, we haven't converted him to coffee yet. I feel like it's not too far away, though. Yeah. I mean, well, we're going to have a coffee roaster soon, so I might. <laughs> all right. So did you see any wildlife over there in Evans Notch or, or throughout the day at all? Um, I don't think I did. I saw a bear and a fox. You saw nothing? I didn't see anything. I was also, I mean, I saw, it was weird. So, like. Chatham, I saw a bunch of cats. Or I think I saw a bunch of cats. I'm not really sure. 
But this is like where you start to come to like the point of being like, I yeah, don't... It's, you've been up late. Yeah. Shadows start forming different things in your mind. Um, but yeah, I mean, I honestly wasn't really like paying attention. Um, the, uh, Tom and I were on this road and we almost got hit by this guy who was like probably drunk on a bike. It was really weird. Like he had all this like weird stuff taped to his bike. Like I don't even know, like Tupperwares and stuff and he he like swerved us off the road. It was the weirdest thing ever. Like I don't I don't even like and I know I wasn't hallucinating then because we we're both like this is like yeah, it was so weird. But yeah, I mean I think that counts for wildlife. Yeah, it's not far. <laughs> I'm, I I wish I had more of an explanation for that story, but it was very weird. So you only veered off your route, it looks like, once, because I was trying to get some sleep, woke up, and I saw that you are already making your way up Pinkham Notch. You skipped over one little dirt pass the, the off the Dolly Cop mm, Road, the Pine yes, Link. I did. Um, at that point, it was really late, and if you've ever been on Pinkham B, it is not gentle. And that's sort of, sort of the thing where you come down to, like, is it worth breaking my collarbone for this or do I want to ride to, like the later this week and try and do another big hit big, like in a few weeks? Well, how do you pass? It's like you're biking past the most direct ho- way home. Yeah. Like how do you, at that point that far in your ride, like that's, you know, you're 270 miles in yeah. 275 miles in and you're like, all right, do I turn here or do I keep going? I think for me, the biggest thing was that I was going to hit three coming down to Jackson. And um, honestly, it was it was this thing where it's like, does it? Yeah, it's like it was one of those things where it's like, I'm probably going to regret this, but I don't want to get hurt. Like My knees feel good. My legs, like my hips don't hurt. Like I'm exhausted, but. I'm like holding on. And, and if you got another flat, yeah, I mean, you could have been done. I could have been done. Um, supplies were super low at that point. And that road, like driving it is hurts like in a car. And I just, it was just so late um, that I decided that we made a call. We talked about it on the top of Evan's notch. Actually, we we're like, am I going to go through it? And the consensus was we should just bring it home um, smooth through Pinkham just because every like the whole day had just kind of gotten longer than I expected and I felt like I'd still done done the route justice. So yeah. I'm just giving you a hard time. But <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you came back down to the shop. I, I saw you, I timed it perfectly. I got up to Pinkham as you were arriving. Yeah, it was Ref- amazing. Refueled. There we are at the visitor center at two thirty in the morning, if not later. And then, yeah, all pretty much mostly downhill from there. Except you came down and you still had six miles to kill. Yeah. So I. It's like yeah. you completed. Yeah, you sort of like uh, completed the loop and back, yeah, back to Glen and back up. Yeah. So I think. Yeah, I, I mean, having done Pinkham B probably. Would have been really cool, but I definitely got to think about long-term stuff at the same time. Like, now at that point, you'd put in—I think you'd put in a pretty big effort. And given all the 
things thrown your way, you dealt with it really, really well. And to be that far behind schedule, but like just to get it done takes a lot of perseverance. And I know you had a lot of accountability. It was fun to share it, to update people real time and just the amount of people. Like for me, I think we look at that, the classic little century rides as being a big deal, but like this is a, this is a big recalibrator, I think to a lot of people and hopefully gets people fired up to start like making some pretty big link ups. And I mean, this is just one route that circumnavigates winds around, um, the, the greater white mountains. And it's really fun to look at it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, I mean, obviously time is a big issue. Um, just having the time to get to the point where your body can handle something like this. But I think a lot of people are capable of, of doing more. Um, I mean, I, even someone like me, like I've never ridden this far. Um, honestly, like it's hard to even throw your head around it. It's hard to do 300 miles of driving in a day. Um, but yeah, if you, I think a lot more people can do a lot more stuff. Um, even just the bikes, like even a bike from 2019 or like anything in the past couple of years just goes so much farther than, you know, like with technology and, and like what we know about training and everything, I think a lot more people can, um, can do a lot more. Um, but definitely you gotta be safe about it. And the training aspect is huge. Like I, I wouldn't tell anyone to go do this if they aren't putting in a lot of hours because you're just going to have overuse injuries and you're not going to be exercising for a while. Um, so that's huge. And that's a conversation I had with my coach. Um, I work with Neil Burton and he's been huge, uh, this summer, um, making some pretty unique schedules for me. Um, just be able to like kind of get to this point. And, uh, yeah, that's something we, we talked about was, like, look, this is a great idea. It's a really cool route. Um, the, your motivation's awesome, but people do get hurt. Like, you can get hurt. And getting hurt could last for a year or two or longer. And who knows what that's going to mean on your future with cycling. So being knowing that you have, have this in the bag is definitely rolling the dice, even when you put in tons of hours. I mean, I was putting in 26 hours a week for a while. Um, and that's a lot of, a lot of training. It's a lot. Um, and that's not even all that goes into it. So just, yeah, like, I think if you're going to, if you're thinking about doing something like this, like definitely like think about if you're there yet. But I think even if you're like doing 50 mile rides, like maybe getting up to that hundred miles here and there would be awesome. So it seemed like you could pull a hundred miles out when at will when the mo- the rest of us are like planning months in advance yeah i mean that's definitely something um you work up to um and just getting those building blocks kind of down um goes a long way but yeah i think it's ever it's it's all it's physical and mental at the same time like being able to control yourself to focus for five hours for to bang out a century um that takes that takes mental skill too. So, kind of the, there's a lot that goes into it, and um, yeah, 
there's a lot of tips and tricks you kind of learn you, and and learning about yourself is huge too like you want to learn your body like know know what when you're feeling good when you're not feeling good when you can push when you need to stop when like know when you start craving like if you start thinking about food or like you want something salty or like know that your body's missing something or you know you learn stuff about yourself that goes a long way and that's something that a coach can't necessarily tell you but um your body sure does a good job of telling you but it's important to pay attention to that at all times yeah good words of wisdom um got to get some thank yous out yeah before we wrap this up oh yeah um so joe my brother uh huge um days leading into it that day um just hugely motivating kept telling me i got it i got it i got it um brooks was huge came over from vermont um brought his awesome camera skills and bike skill bike mechanic skills was huge i don't think he's changed that many flats in a while but um he's definitely pretty good changing flats now so (laughs) um andrew he was up at all the gnarly points of the ride so that was awesome um I got a good laugh coming in in the morning. See him uh, grinding out, grinding on his laptop <laughs> at uh, 4 a.m. So that's pretty funny. And um, yeah, and then Tom Sampson was huge with his like knowledge and bike parts, and Monty and Hillary for showing up, um, Bullfrog for making an appearance. So everyone on social media that was texting me or tracking me, thank you so much because I was super big. Um, you guys definitely motivated me, motivated me a ton. So, uh, yeah, I can't thank you enough. Good deal. Well, I, it works both ways. We're definitely inspired to see someone do something like this. It's definitely a first. Um, but more importantly, like it got people out to ride that day, got me out to ride and it's going to inspire other people to get out and look at where they live and do some fun link ups too. So thanks for Thanks for making it happen, and congrats on your first of maybe future 300s. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe we'll do a relay one year. Maybe we do, uh, I don't know. It would be fun to do to jump in and do a little more and get other people involved now that you've sort of set the route up. Yeah, no, I think that's a good route, and I, uh, I would love to see someone else go after it um, because I think it's a special route. There's a lot of awesome parts on it. So, All right, well... Jake, thank you. I guess, well, I should ask what's next. Um, so what's next is mountain biking, um, big mountain bike ride. I'm going to keep the details on the low, to be honest, um, just because there's enough of you crazy people out there. But there's going to be a big mountain bike um, ride, and uh, hopefully we'll be able to showcase some of the bikes that we've been um, getting in, uh, some of the Ski the White bikes. So, uh Yeah. Um, we're excited. I'm excited about that. That's gonna be huge. It's I think it's gonna be 300 miles on a mountain bike, which is uh, which is even longer. So uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, there's there's some more projects in the loop. Um, but um, I'm excited. So keep everyone updated. All right, everyone. Well, follow Jake at Jake Inger, I N G E R. There just, you go. Just that super creative. And ride the whites. <laughs> yeah, this other brand. The mothership oh, that 
oversees all of what's going on here at the ski shop and then also in the White Mountain region. So that's growing too, and that's where it's fun to share the, you know, what's happening and the way we see biking, <laughs> the way Jake sees biking. <laughs> yeah, now I got to get Andrew to ride a bit more. <laughs> Yeah, well, I got a lot to manage, and I'm I am excited, honestly, to run to ride a little more. So thank you, Jake. We'll be in touch, and until your next big ride. Yeah, thank you. 